What's going on, everybody? Welcome into a Friday edition of Texans All Access from Nanday Texans Radio Studio. I am your host, John Harris. So glad to be with you on a night that's going to get a little dicey. And apparently this weekend is going to get a little dicey here in Houston. Are we talking tropical storms and hurricanes before the end of May? Is that what we're going to have here in 2021? Holy cow. I mean, you could hit me with your global warming thoughts and uh, it gets sort of political, so I'm not really going to... I got my thoughts on it, but either way, I know this. Here are the facts. Last year, 2020, hurricane season was awful. I was down in Galveston during the month of October, and that's when one of the hurricanes didn't even hit us. It hit east of us. One, it hit Lake Charles, and it was... It was rough. I got a video of it. 55, 60 mile an hour winds on the island. It was crazy. And we didn't even get a direct hit. So hopefully this won't turn into that and hopefully we'll go through unscathed. But uh, man, I know Louisiana is going to be hard pressed to take any more at that uh, particular moment because they've gone through two hurricanes. I know they got hit with torrential rains over the last few days. So, yeah, man, weather, hang on to your hats for the next four months, five months, six months, maybe. Oh, my goodness. Either way, we're going to talk football tonight, and we're going to talk with Kevin Pierre-Lewis. Mark Vandermeer and I had a chance to catch up with him exclusively, a little one-on-one. Yes, he did meet with the media, and you may have heard some clips from that. I walked out of our 15-minute discussion away from that and went, whoa, I like this guy a lot, and not just because... He said he didn't like a particular baseball team, Yankees. And it's not because of that. Just everything we talked about, he was engaging. He was thoughtful in the way that he uh, took on our questions. He was excellent. You will hear Kevin Pierre-Lewis in our next segment as Mark Vandermeer and I went one-on-one with him. We'll also go around the league. Of course, it's Friday. There are still things going on in the NFL during this offseason time in between draft and training camp. Still got things going on. And the Texans were part of that news today. So let's jump into that before we get into our Texans audio jukebox, Justin Britt style. He had some pretty interesting things to say, I thought, at his press conference on Thursday. Very, I thought at first when he got up there, I was like, oh man, this is, this isn't going to be very good, is it? I guess he was kind of short answering a little bit at first. And then, man, he really opened up and gave some great answers on some things. And we will get into that in a little bit. But before we get the Texans making moves, and these two moves having to do with the offensive line. One in, one out. The in is former Louisville left tackle. Jerron Christian, he's been in the league about four years, spent some time with the Washington football team. They were making moves, the Washington football team, with Morgan Moses out. And I'm trying to think there was one other, uh, there was an in for them as well. Either way, Christian available to be picked up. He plays tackle. He moves in. Cole Cabral, interior offensive lineman, moves out. Now, you can try and do the math on things like, okay, interior lineman went out, tackle went in. Oh, what does that say about this? Was I'm not reading into that too much. 
Just know that Jerron Christian, 6'6", 315, long. Very, very long. I felt like coming out of college, full disclosure, I felt like he had some room to grow. He had to mature a little bit, and hopefully he's done that over the last few years. And look, he's not being asked to step in and be Laramie Tunsil. He's coming in to compete, compete for an opportunity, but he is claimed today on waivers, and because he was claimed, that meant Cole Cabral, unfortunately, released today. So that's the in and the out on the offensive line. So this is going to turn into an offensive line intensive first segment as we move on to Texans audio jukebox, Justin Britt style. And like I said, I really enjoyed listening to him once he kind of opened up and started just bearing his soul, if you will. And right off the bat, he was asked how it felt and how it feels to be a Texan after being nothing but a Seahawk in his NFL career. Um, well, I mean, so I felt leaving Seattle, I felt unwanted, but like they were good to me and I enjoyed my time there and the friendships I made and playing with Russ was, you know, you know, uh, I'm forever grateful for that. But um, coming here, it was it was a little weird um, pulling up to the stadium rather than a facility, but um that that's the exciting part you pull it to the stadium really this is where i work i mean it's it's incredible so um it took maybe a couple weeks to get used to things but uh, i think everyone in the building does a really good job of making people feel like they've been here i mean we the texans added 30 something people this offseason right so um i think everyone kind of had that approach and and they were ready to make the transition for everyone easier and i think that even the players that have been here have done that too. So um, I think the the biggest transition was just trying to find housing out here and, and get situated there. This was the easy part coming to work. When he started that answer, I was like, oh man, where's he going with this? And then he said, it was almost as if he made the decision. All right, I'm going to just, eh, I'm going to bear my soul here. Yeah, I felt unwanted. Seattle was like, yo, wow. Okay. Keep talking, Justin. This could get kind of fun. Uh, and it did. He was very forthright uh, in the answers that he was given. That was good stuff there from Justin Britt about what it feels like to be with the Texans. Now, when you've had an offense that generated a run game that was nearly dead last in the league, when an offensive lineman comes in, that's the first thing that's going to pop up for those particular players. And Justin Britt wasn't here, obviously. We just talked about that. But he said he is here now, and the run game has got to improve going forward. There's got to be an emphasis put on the run game. Whenever I was going to sign, um, you know, like I said, Camp and I talked, and, and we were just kind of on the same mission. Um, we wanted to come in and start up front and set the tone with the run game and build off that with the pass game. Um, you know, I did know that they led the league, right, in passing yards last year um, or something. But, uh, you know, you pass all you want. But, um, you know, a really good pass game comes with a run game. So, um, you know, up in Seattle, we ran the ball. And, uh, you know, Russ did his thing. So um, you can have a little of both. And I think the guys we have up front, um, you know, are all kind of tough, mean guys and they want to run the ball and be aggressive, you know, as big guys do. And you bring in guys like 
Mark Ingram, Philip Lindsley. Um, you got a DJ who's still here. Um, so, so you got people who can do it and you just got to put it all together. And it doesn't matter what happened last year. Um, this is a whole new team. They got 30 new guys. So um, it's what are you going to do now? And we're, we're hungry and ready to go out there and see what we can do. One of the things that continues to stand out to me about players that have been here, the players, well, in, in particular, the players that the Texans have brought to Houston, Justin Britt, traded for Marcus Cannon, Lane Taylor, they've all got something to prove. Those three guys that I just mentioned, veterans, but have done it at a very high level prior to, were all injured in, 20, in, in parts of uh, 2020, part for Justin Britt of 2019, Lane Taylor, most of 2019. Marcus Cannon played in 2019, but opted out of 2020. So those players, none of them were able to play in 2020. Lane Taylor, I think, played for oh, a game, maybe not even that, uh, in 2020. So they're guys that are coming here with a little bit of a chip on their shoulder, as if to say, yeah, y'all might have forgot about us. You might have forgot about me, but I'm ready to roll. And the guy that is going to be charged with putting it all together is James Camp, the offensive line coach, who had been with the Green Bay Packers, had played with the Green Bay Packers. Um, That was where he cut his teeth as an offensive line coach and turned guys like Lane Taylor, David Bakhtiari, TJ Lang, Corey Lindsley, turned them into not only really good offensive linemen, but pro Bowl types, sometimes best at their position types in the case of David Bakhtiari. But they've got all something to prove. James Campen in particular, when I would be out and about over the last how many ever years, when people wanted to talk to me about the Texans, that was one of the things they wanted to talk about the most was the offensive line. What are they going to do about the offensive line? What about the offensive line? What about Mike Devlin, the head co- the offensive line coach? What, what's, what's the deal? What's going on? They wanted to talk about the offensive line, and they wanted to talk uh, about Devlin. What wasn't working? They wanted to give me their opinions. Well, I, thought, I think last year you saw it. It didn't come together. Run game, not even close to being good. Pass protection, better, but not great. Well, James Campen now has an opportunity with some a different cast of characters. No more Nick Martin. No more Zach Fulton up front. You got Titus Howard. You got Laramie Tunsil as your foundation pieces out on, at tackle. And then on the inside, Britt at center, which he was asked the question about playing other positions. And he said in four words, I will play center. Is that four words? I hope so. That's it. That's how he answered it. That was it. These other questions have been great because he gave us some meat on the bone. That one, he was like, no, I'm going to play center. So Britt, center, and then figuring out, does Marcus Cannon start a right guard? Does he play left guard? Who knows? What about Max Sharping? How does that all fit? What about Lane Taylor? Uh, what about Justin McCray? There have been a lot of pieces coming together, and there's going to be, to me, a collective chip on their shoulder about doing it better than they had been doing it in the past. And I think you really could hear that coming from Justin Britt about that particular aspect of playing with a little bit of chip on your shoulder and putting an emphasis on the run game. Now, Justin Britt was asked this question, which I've talked a lot about. A lot. Now, I've used it a lot as it pertains to defensive linemen, but it doesn't matter to me whether it's offense, defensive linemen. But being a wrestler is hugely important 
hugely important for offensive linemen or just anybody in the trenches. And so Justin Britt was asked about his life as a wrestler. And this is what he had to say, a very thoughtful answer. Yeah, I love getting asked this question. I love, um, you know, letting the youth, you know, in middle school and high school hear it. Um, if you play O-line, go wrestle. And if you don't want to put on the tights, then go play basketball. Um, I think for me, wrestling, um, not only, you know, obviously physically competing, but you're mentally competing with not them, but yourself. Like it's not a team sport. And so all eyes are on you. Are you going to, are you going to get pinned or are you going to pin them? You're going to win or lose. There's, there's no, there's no draw. Um, at least not in my eyes. So you take that approach to football and you got a whole team of people that are competitive within themselves, but they can bring it to a team atmosphere that's dangerous. And so, um, you know, I think wrestling, I'm very grateful for it. Um, I miss it all the time because I think it, it trained my mind to be competitive and to block out the outside noise and just focus on the, the task at hand. And then, uh, I mean, you can sit here and say wrestling helps with leverage and hand placement and all this grappling stuff, which it does. But the biggest takeaway for me was mentally what it did to me. I've always focused on the grappling part to me. That, that's the part I've always focused on because it's about the technique and how it helps your technique down in the trenches. But his thought there about the mental approach is, is usually important. The wrestlers that I've known in my lifetime, I, I knew one that actually played football with us. He would play fullback for us at 210 pounds, and then he wrestled at 177. And I could never, I, I, I mean, now, Chris was a little left to center now, but the fact that he could go from 210 in football to 177 and wrestle like a month later at 177 was mind-blowing. And he would he would somehow convince himself that he could do it. I, I could never do that. It was just amazing. Th these guys, uh, the wrestlers, it's just the, the spirit, the soul they have is just, it's different. It's a little off in some cases, but sometimes a little off makes you pretty darn good uh, down in the trenches. So let's move on with a little Texas Audio Jukebox with Brandon Scott. Yeah, Brandon Scott from Sports Radio 610 going to make an appearance here Talked about with Justin a little while ago about the run game and the emphasis on the run game. B. Scott's got a great question here about how that's been addressed and how he fits, he, Justin Britt, fits into that going forward. Hey, hey, Justin, just a moment ago, you stressed that you really want to run the ball, and I'm sure you're aware that the Texans didn't run the ball well last year. Um, how much has that been addressed with, with you as far as you know, when you were when you were negotiating and wanting to sign and, and then uh, along with your teammates and and have you all addressed what it would take for you guys to, to be able to, to be better at that issue? Um, I think. Well, that's cool. That's like two questions. Um, OK, so whenever I was going to sign, um, you know, like I said, camp and I talked and, and we were just kind of on the same mission. Um, we wanted to come in and start up front and set the tone with the run game and build off that with the pass game. Um, you know, I did know that they led the league, right, in passing yards last year um, or something. But, uh, you know, you can pass all you want. 
but, um, you know, a really good pass game comes with the run game. So, um, you know, up in Seattle, we ran the ball and, uh, you know, Russ did his thing. So um, you can have a little of both. And I think the guys we have up front, um, you know, are all kind of tough, mean guys and they want to run the ball and be aggressive, you know, as big guys do. And you bring in guys like Mark Ingram, Philip Lindsley. Um, you got uh, DJ who's still here. Um, so, so you got people who can do it and you just got to put it all together and it doesn't matter what happened last year. Um, this is a whole new team. They got 30 new guys. So, um, it's, what are you going to do now? And we're, we're hungry and ready to go out there and see what we can do. So of course with Brandon Scott showing up on the press conference, Seth Payne was like, nah, man, I got to jump into, I got to get some time with you as well. And Seth wanted to know, having gone under the knife for, uh, I believe he had a knee surgery in second to last year that he was in Houston, I think it was. So Seth knew all about the the issues that Justin had, and he knew about the mental grind that you have to go through when you've suffered an injury, especially playing down uh, down in the trenches. So here's Seth Payne with a little back and forth with Justin Britt about dealing with that knee injury that Justin had that took away most of 2019 and all of 2020. Hey, Justin, uh, did, did you have doubts about whether you're going to be able to come back from your knee surgery? Was it more complicated than perhaps you thought it was at first? Um, not at all. Um, my, my knee in college, I tore my ACL and had a pretty bad meniscus tear. This time around, it was just a isolated ACL. Um, and so, I mean, as soon as it tore, um, I didn't hit depression. I was like, all right, let's do this. You know, I knew I was going to go to one of the best doctors with Andrews and I was going to get it right. Um, but I mean, in the back of my mind, I was hopeful that I would still have a job last year. Um, but as soon as they cut me, you know, it's kind of like, all right, screw you. I'm going to get right. And so I took that approach every day, rehabbed every day, um, rehabbed out of my garage during the first part of the pandemic. So, um, no, I, I feel like I had the right approach and I knew how to attack it. And, you know, it's, it's just, I've been there, done that. So it was nothing new to me for sure. What clicked for you? when they moved you to center in Seattle, was there, was there something about that position that felt different than tackle or guard? Um, I'm not sure. My, my first pass set, whenever they moved me to center, didn't go that well. Um, and I think the fact that it didn't go well um, made me want to figure it out. Um, but I don't know, it, it just kind of came to me. Um, I, the snaps were easy. I mean, I already knew the offense. The hardest part was just trying to figure out how to communicate to everyone. And so um, once I figured that out, um, it kind of was just easy. I feel like I feel like I was, uh, you know, trying to find my home whenever that was my home all along. Some great stuff there from Seth Payne and, of course, from our subject from Texans Audio Jukebox, the man himself, Justin Britt. You know, it's trying to go back and watch Justin and I did that a little bit from 2019 before he ended up getting injured. It's one of those things where you watch a guy and you're like, man, I, I like the looks of this guy, but been through the injury, 
been away from the game, it's going to be, man, almost almost two years, if my math is correct. I don't, man, is my math correct on that? Because it got hurt, I think, in October of 2019, September. So, yeah, 23 months. I can't imagine what will be going through Justin Britt's head throughout that time leading up to the first regular season game. But I'm sure he's chomping at the bit as we all want to see him out on the field, but I'm sure he's chomping at the bit to get on the field and show what he can do and be part of this 2021 offensive line and this offense. And this offensive line is going to have a different look, as we mentioned. It is going to be completely different in some respects. We know at least two will be different with no Nick Martin and Zach Fulton. Max Sharping, does he lock on to that left guard or a guard position? And Titus and Laramie, hopefully they stay healthy and they're your cornerstones. And is Justin Britt, Marcus Cannon, is that the fit at center guard? Does Lane Taylor play into this? It's going to be very intriguing come late July, early August as training camp starts uh, and we start getting closer to September 12th. Competition has been the key word, there's no doubt, and the offensive line is going to be, without a doubt, I would think a focal point for a lot of fans. When they see me out about, it's going to be the same questions, just phrased differently. Hey, John, remember we talked about the offensive line last time? Yep. Well, I want to know about the offensive line now. I don't blame you. It's it's going to be different, so people are going to want to know. We'll try and bring it to you, uh, obviously, as time permits later in the year when training camp starts and we get a better read once these guys put the pads on. But hopefully we'll get a chance to see him out at OTA, see him move around a little bit. I get more on OTAs than a lot of people do. I just love to see guys move around and get kind of a feel for how they're looking, especially coming off injuries or opt-outs or things like that. So that'll be fun, and hopefully we will, hopefully, get a chance to do that uh, in the coming weeks with OTAs. But we'll see. But we'll give you all that information right here on Texans All Access. Coming up next, and I didn't play any of his clips from the press conference because Kevin Pierre-Lewis joined Mark and myself for an exclusive one-on-one. We'll have that for you next on Texans Radio. Go. Go. Welcome to Texans All Access. We are brought to you in part by Apache Corporation. Nearly 3 billion people worldwide live in energy poverty, meaning they lack access to reliable electricity or clean cooking fuels. The natural gas and oil produced by companies like Apache Corporation help power cleaner electricity, enable access to food, education, and healthcare, and connect us to those we love. We are committed to providing the energy the world needs and to elevating families across the globe to higher standards of living. Learn more at ApacheCorp.com. That's ApacheCorp.com. Now here's the show. Welcome back to Friday edition of Texas All Access from the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. I'm your host, John Harris. Glad to be with you. Hopefully it's not wet where you are, and hopefully it stays relatively dry, I'm sure the greater Houston area is going to get hit with some rain over the weekend. I do like to talk about weather. I know some people, you like to talk about weather. Yeah, it's always kind of good to set the scene, as my voice cracks there, of what's kind of going on. I don't know why. And maybe it's just because there's a window right outside from where I'm doing my doing my show at home. So, I don't know. Maybe, maybe that's what it is. But either way, hopefully you guys have a tremendous weekend planned. You'll be safe um, as the weekend transpires. All right, let's get to our exclusive one-on-one with Kevin Pierre Lewis, formerly of Boston College, 
has played with a number of teams in the league. The Bears, the Seahawks, is with the Washington football team last year, a group that went to the playoffs, and now he's here in Houston. Knowing his play style, having seen him play, I feel like this is a pretty solid fit for him at this time in his career. Take all that into account. I think KPL is in the right spot for him. Here's Kevin Pierre-Lewis with Mark Vandermeer and myself, an exclusive right here on Texans All Access. Kevin Pierre-Lewis joining us right now at Texans Radio. Mark Vandermeer, John Harris with you. Kevin, how's it going so far in Houston for you? So it's been a blessing, honestly, being here. Um, got a, a good group of guys that are down here right now. A lot of competition at a, at a lot of position. Um, being a northern boy, I definitely got a welcome to this humidity that's been here. And all I keep hearing that it's only going to get worse. So, uh, <laughs> you know, I'm glad to be down here, you know, get my foot into the door a little bit and uh, just ready to compete like any other year. Kevin, I'll, that's an interesting way that you talk about Houston being a northerner. So I'll just ask you straight out. First of all, August is going to be like uh, in anything, nothing you've ever seen. But don't be scared by it. You'll be okay. For sure. Why Houston? Why Houston? Uh, just competition, just the, the chance to compete. Um, you know, I'm blessed enough to head into year eight. So given the opportunity to compete, compete for a spot, um, you know, they, they're trying to piece together something great here. And I would love to be a part of it. Um, there's not too many times where you can say, you know, you were a part of something that started as, that was great. So just trying to take advantage of this opportunity that's here. And uh, we're doing that. You've been in the league for a while, Kevin. Let's just take the last couple of years before this one. Late in the season with the Bears, you have a couple of really big games. And then you sign with Washington. You had a nice season with them. What was that whole process like ending up with the Bears and then Washington and now here? Uh, it's, it's definitely helped me a bit. You know, uh, like I said, I've been a couple of squads and, you know, having learned different techniques and everything's kind of starting to piece together. And it's allowed me to transition a lot easier than, you know, someone that probably hit free agency for the first time and going through the steps and the motions. Um, and, yeah, I mean, there's just, you know, there's a lot going on, a lot to navigate during these times. Last year was definitely interesting with no off season. Um, now, you know, given within the, the protocols, of course, uh, we have an opportunity to, you know, build a trust with certain guys and see each other earlier than it was last year when it was just training camp, which once training camp hit, it was kind of like the ball was rolling right there. And then there right. was no uh, transition, really. So um, it's, it's been good. When we sign players, Kevin, a lot of times I think back to how they were in college. I do a lot of studying of college in the draft. And I wore number 24 in college. So anybody that wears number 24 always stands out. And I'm watching you, and I'm like, man, he's tackling everything. Everybody that moves, that dude is going to make a tackle. How has your game developed from the time you were at Boston College to where you are now? Um, I'll say it developed with just the trust. Um, and this is no offense to you know, my time at Boston College, but in college a lot of times we feel as though we have to make every play. Um, there was plenty of guys that can make a ton of plays that I played with at BC. You know, obviously, you know, we had Luke Keekley here, Mark Herzlick, Nick Clancy, just naming a couple linebackers, Matt Milano. Um, but now it's really just about doing your job. And sometimes actually that can be the hardest thing because sometimes you just think, oh, I got to make the play. But you realize if you're doing your job, 
then everything else is going to piece together. Once you don't do your job, then you might be leaving someone else out to dry. So that's definitely a transition from college to the NFL. And it's easier said than done for sure. Well, you played your high school ball in Stanford, Connecticut, right? And ended up at BC. So why BC? Just take us through that. And there were some big names you were with on campus at Chestnut Hill. Yes. uh, Just think about life after football. Um, You know, I grew up. uh, My father played football for a couple weeks. Um, Besides that, I think I'm the first person to play football. And we all soccer players, you know, coming from Haiti. Um, so I singled my decisions down to Stanford and Boston College. Once again, just thinking about life after football and, you know, ended up with Boston College. And honestly, it was probably the best decision I could have made, uh, staying somewhat close to home, but at the same time, far enough to, away. Um, I'm personally not a Jesuit, but that Jesuit community definitely helped me grow as, a, as an individual and as a man. And uh, it was, yeah, the best of experiences that I had those four years. Kevin, this defense, Lovey Smith taking over. He's been a defensive coordinator for a number of years in NFL. How do you fit this defense and how do your skills make for the right fit for this defense? You know, we're still all figuring that out where everybody's going to fit. Um, as of right now, I'm just focusing on having make sure I have the confidence in myself, realizing, you know, we all have to realize we're here for a reason. Uh, especially when, you know, there's a new staff that comes in for the most part, they try to handpick their guys. So obviously I've shown something that they say, Hey, his attributes can fit into this scheme, into this defense. Um, so that's what we're doing right now. So blessing we have the OTAs to kind of work out the kinks. Um, and we're going to, we're going to see going forward from there. Well, you mentioned Haiti. So tell us what involvement your family still has with Haiti, with the homeland, if you will. Yeah. So um, my direct family, some of my aunts, uh, a lot of them traveled back and forth from Haiti. Uh, they're into real estate. So they got hit pretty hard with everything that went down there. A lot of houses went down, just like a lot of people. But fortunately, we're on the blessed side in Haiti. So it's just about just rebuilding. Um, helping out there, doing, you know, toy drives, food drives. Uh, my aunt, Evelyn Pierre-Lewis, is actually very big on that. Um, sometimes, you know, do dentistry uh, clinics down there. Just doing all that we can to help. Um, every little bit matters. And, you know, we're such a prideful country, you know, gaining our independence. But we, we need a lot of help. And so just every little bit kind of helps right there. So we're just doing what we can. Kevin, I know you haven't been in Houston very long, but have you had a chance yet to kind of get ingratiated to the Haitian community that's here? Is that something that obviously means a lot to you? Do you want to be able to do that here in Houston as well? For sure. You know, um, would like to when the time is right. Uh, unfortunately, just, you know, it's, it's about barring. Now, like I said, there's yeah, no a, doubt. Lot of, a lot of competition right now. So, you know, I have to realize the best way to for me to help is to help myself first. Make right. sure that I am here when it comes August, September and going forward. And once I can solidify a foundation, that's when I'll be able to uh, reach out. You know, like they say, you can't pour from an empty cup. So right now my focus is just filling that cup so I can uh, give to others. And Whitney Merciless has uh, some experience on the subject as well. So I know you're going to get together with him at some point Definitely. if you haven't already, I would imagine. Yeah, no, that's uh, what I've heard. So tell us about what it's like to be with these guys, Kevin, because 
look, this is a, a team with a lot of players that have just joined. Dozens of players literally have just joined the Houston Texans organization. And I know not everybody makes the 53, but what's this group like for you? What is the camaraderie like so far? I know it hasn't been that long. You've been doing a lot of Zoom meetings, and this week you're, you're kicking it off, so to speak, in OTAs. But what is the experience like for you being around these people? It's a great experience. I, you know, uh, I felt like a broken record. I keep bringing up the word competition. And I think slowly you, you see each day, each guy starting to kind of buy into, you know, hey, there's going to be a lot of competition. You know, you can't get comfortable here. Um, and it's been good. Uh, you know, everybody's just trying to find their niche with everything going on, with the new offense, new defense. Um, and it's a blessing that there's a good amount of us right now taking advantage of this time together. Because, um, you know, like I said, we have to work out the kinks and figure out everything. Kevin, we didn't get a chance to talk to a lot of players last year, be it here or other places. What was a football season like going through a Mm -hmm. pandemic? Can you at all try and make sense of what 2020 was all about for you as a player and for other players in the NFL? For sure. Uh, 2020 was definitely interesting. Um, It it gave a lot of us the time to sit down and, and look in front of a mirror as we had so much more time on our hands you know, to realize, you know, what choices, good choices we've made, bad choices that we've made. And then specifically when it comes to uh, to football, you know, it's like, okay, can you be a true professional? 2020 challenged a lot of us. Is like, can you really have all this time to yourself and figure out ways where, you know, some of us were getting kicked off fields. I was trying to find fields to uh, do certain drills on, uh, finding different places to work out. It really challenged you to... Um, you know, face a little bit of adversity. And then on the flip side of that, it was truly a blessing that all of us had to realize that we had an opportunity to still work, to provide for our families, which a lot of people did not have those same opportunities. So, you know, the times that we might feel as though we're down or complaining about running in the heat, this, that, and the third, those are the times you had to sit back and think, you know, count your blessings because, things could be the other way. There couldn't have been a football season. So we were all appreciative. Things were figured out. Um, Obviously you had to, like anyone, you know, jump over a couple hoops, but the fact that we were able to complete a whole season um, was, was a blessing. What was it like being in Washington with all that Alex Smith stuff going on? And a Smith is a good guy. I mean, I was with him uh, in Kansas city in 2017, I believe. Um, And it, it was the man's a soldier. Uh, I've seen the documentaries, uh, you know, the leg, all the surgeries, but really seeing him work after all that and seeing his injury um, without anything being covered, you really gained a new level of respect for him. Um, obviously, you know, things were going on with the team where things were being figured out, but it was, I think it was real, a, a good moment to still have him a part of that, that staff and, and the things that he was able to do to help us help them now. at least. Mm-hmm. All right, Kevin, so you don't have a game at the end of the week. Mm -hmm. It's cheat meal night. (laughs) It's cheat meal night. And you can have what you want in front of you. What's the cheat meal at your discretion? Yeah, I'm I'm actually, uh, I'm one of those oddballs to where I'm blessed. I can eat whatever I want to eat, honestly. You know, there's certain guys on the team, like, I don't get how you can eat like that. (laughs) So for me, low-key, like, you know, any any night's going to be a cheat night. I'm big on... (laughs) You know, uh, 
double cheeseburger with bacon fries. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I go down the list, man. You know, I probably say the only thing I truly um, pay attention to is like quality of meat. Yeah. Um, but outside of that, you know, I'm a guy that I'm a smaller but faster linebacker. So I'm always eating something. Um, so this weekend, I think the wife says she's going to uh, might do flank steak. Mm-hmm. Uh, something eat a lot of that you know there you put go that, put that in the sous vide sear it a little bit on the grill after that it's all good all right i i got two more and they're similar about other sports if you grew up in norwalk connecticut are you like a yankee fan new york sports teams fan giants yeah. that kind of thing or something else and then at yeah. boston college do you ever go to any hockey games when you were there or basketball or anything else so I grew up, uh, the first sport I, I loved was basketball. Um, so I was a Lakers fan. Ended up being a Lakers fan because I was, ended up being the first team that I ever watched play uh, basketball on TV. But besides that, um, I'm a Red Sox fan. And the only reason I'm a Red Sox fan, I grew up in Yankees territory. Growing up, all I heard is Yankees this, Yankees that. And so the year that I decided to watch baseball, I said, you know what? I'm going to pick the team that's least likely to win the World Series. <laughs> Because they can't can't say, like, I'm just jumping on a bandwagon, ended up being uh, the Red Sox. I'm like, perfect. I could talk trash to my friends. And that ended up being the year we won the World Series. But it was when we were down three games, whew, that was rough. <laughs> that, that was rough. But uh, been, been a Red Sox ever, ever since. And then um, I wouldn't say I'm a, a Bruins fan, but I cheer for them just from being in Boston. Um, but, but besides that, uh, don't have any other teams, but no, definitely uh, no Yankees. No uh, well, Kevin, thanks so much for spending some time with us, and we really look forward to seeing you on the football field coming up soon. Thanks a lot. All right, thank you. Like I said earlier, he's impressive. I really like talking to him. And as we were talking to him, we were on Zoom, and Mark asked that question about the Yankees. He gave the best stank face you've ever seen. He's like, Oh, man, don't even put the... No, 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 I do not like the Yankees. I liked hearing that. I can live with the Red Sox, and here's why. Because when I went to school at Brown University, we were 45 minutes away, kind of adopted the Red Sox. The Astros were in the National League at that time. The Red Sox were in the American League. I went and adopted the Red Sox as my team. They had uh, the hit dog, Mo Vaughn. This is way back when. Man, I'm trying to remember who all they had on that squad. I think Billy Hatcher was actually on that squad. I was at Fenway Park the night Billy Hatcher stole home to tie the game against the Angels. It was amazing. It was one of the great baseball games I've ever seen. That was back in the early 90s. Either way, I used to love going to Red Sox games many, many eons ago. I remember a senior year, I went to like five of them in the spring before I graduated because we weren't doing anything. We were just getting ready to graduate. So I was going to Red Sox games all the time. That was my team. So when he said that, I was cool. When you said, can't stand the Yankees, I'm like, yes. Yes, you can't see it. But I did like the Jonah Hill fist pump and Moneyball. I was all about it. Yes. I was going to say something bad. But yeah, I don't like the Yankees. At all. Can't stand them. And the fact that ESPN's doing a 30 for 30 on Derek Jeter, a six-parter, to kind of follow along with the last dance. Oh, no. No. I will watch it, though. I watch all the 30 for 30s. I'll tell you one that was really good. The other day, it was called 144. It was about the story of the 2020 WNBA season. It's fantastic. It is so, so good. So if you get a chance, ESPN Plus, go check it out. 144, 12 teams of 12 players in WNBA. That's 144 
That's what it's based on. Really, really good 30 for 30. All right, we got to finish up going around the league. We'll do that next right here on Texans All Access. We got one final segment this Friday edition of Texans All Access from the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. I'm your host, John Harris, football analyst, sideline reporter. You just started our interview with Kevin Pierre Lewis, linebacker for your Houston Texans, myself and Mark Vandermeer. On that interview, hopefully Mark will get to feel a little bit better and he'll be back on the show with me on Monday. But that was a fun interview with Kevin Pierre Lewis. We've heard from Justin Britt. So let's go around the league and see what's happening elsewhere. Hot stuff. And let's start with the Jacksonville Jaguars. It is now official. It feels like we've been talking for, about it for two weeks. And I guess that's probably about right. Two weeks? Yeah, three weeks maybe. Because I think the first inkling of Tim Tebow signing with the Jaguars came up on draft night. Or in around draft time, I think. I think it was draft night, actually. It's done. Signs a deal. One year. $920,000. Now... There is not a guaranteed dollar on that contract. So if Tim Tebow is going to get that $920,000 or a dollar of the $920,000, he's going to earn it. So he's not played since 2012. I think he was around the league. That was the last time he played in a game in 2012. I think he's around for the next couple of years. He bounced to the Patriots, the Eagles. I think it was out by 2015. So there's been a lot of talk about this. We've talked about it because it's an NFL story. It's an AFC South. It's a good story to talk about. But the talk that I've heard, there's so many people upset. I mean, Keyshawn Johnson left his radio show because Tim Tebow signed. I mean, what did Tim Tebow ever do so bad that Keyshawn Johnson's got to leave it? I mean, really? I, just do your damn radio show, Keyshawn. <laughs> Anyways, point being, if Tim Tebow's going to get any of that money, he's going to prove it. He's going to prove that he belongs on that 53-man roster. That's what he'll prove. So it's not as if he got guaranteed, you know, he's getting $500,000 guaranteed just to show up. No, he's got to prove that he's got something. One year, $920,000, no guaranteed money whatsoever. Which... It's probably about right. Now, I won't make any guarantees about Tampa Bay Buccaneers this year other than Bruce Arians going to be the head coach. Unless something were to happen that, you know, health-wise, which BA's had some issues over the years with health and it's cost him a little bit. That's why he had to step away and step out of the Arizona situation a couple years ago. Bruce Arians said, I've retired once before. I'm not planning to retire anytime soon. Arians was talking to the Pewter Report podcast and said he's not tied to Tom Brady. He signed a one-year extension through 2022. That's through next year. He said he plans to coach at least through his five-year contract, perhaps longer. Oh, yeah, that's the plan. I don't have any plans on retiring, Arians said. It's just, when do I not want to go back to work? That's... Probably the same for everybody. And right now, he really loves it. I don't blame him. He has done a tremendous job there in Tampa Bay, and Tom Brady has helped that. I mean, how could you not want to go to work uh, when Tom Terrific 
Now, see, that was Tom Seaver. Tom Brady. Tom, terrific. Sorry about that. Mets fans, wherever you are. Old heads, you're yelling at me. I'm yelling at myself. I should have known better. When you coach a Tom Brady and you win a championships, yeah, you want to stick around and coach for a while. And Bruce Arians confirmed that. But Julian Edelman said he's not going to the Bucs. He's a one-team guy. Gronk and Tom Brady have been working on him, but Edelman going to stay retired as a member of the New England Patriots. That's his one team. He did enough damage across the league. Interesting to see where Julian Edelman goes next. He could have some fun. A Pat McAfee Julian Edelman podcast would be fantastic, by the way. Just saying. All right, big thanks to Justin Britt, to Kevin Pierre-Lewis, to Mark Vandermeer, to all of you for listening. Appreciate y'all so very much. We'll see you on Monday. Be safe this weekend. Avoid big hurricanes, rains, whatever is coming our way. Be safe, and we'll see you again next week. Thank you, everyone. As always, go Texans.